What's up, guys? It's Little D from FMF. When I'm not mixing gas and hauling ass, I'm listening to Big MX Radio. Hey, guys, what's up? This is Andy Frisella here. You're listening to Big MX Radio. But when you're done with this episode, come check out the MFCEO project, mfceo.com. I got all your motivation. I've got everything you need to know about running your brand. I've got everything you need to know about getting shit done, and we can do it together. started. Big MX Radio, brought to you by Fly Racing USA, is on the air. Fueled by passion, focused on motocross. W Wheels USA, Moto Ice Wrap, and Maxima USA make it possible to bring you the news, the interviews, and the point of views inside the sport of motocross. The gate's about to drop. On Big MX Radio. Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast Show brought to you by FMF. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt. With us on the line, we've got the 44 machine in your program this last weekend. He was 7-7 for 7th overall. Goes by the name of Lorenzo Lucurcio. Lorenzo, how's it going? It's going good, man. Just, I guess, getting stuff done for tomorrow riding. Absolutely. Always grinding, uh, some, some active recovery probably yet both yesterday and today and then, uh, and back to motos and, uh, and getting yourself ready for red bud. Um, this has been an exciting summer for you so far, Lorenzo, uh, good starts. And actually that's one of the things we're going to talk about in a little while is, is your starts in, in, in motocross and period. You're, you're a good starter, but, uh, tell us a little bit about, uh, before we, before, uh, first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So, I'm 21 years old. Uh, I'm originally from Venezuela, but I'm living now in Claremont, Florida. Okay. And I've been in the U.S. for about seven, eight years. And okay, that long. Ever, uh, yeah, no, this is my second year as a professional. Uh, last year I rode the 250 class, uh, Supercross and Outdoors, and then this year I did 250 East Coast and then 450 now in the Outdoors. Absolutely, and I, I suppose going to the 450 outdoors is more of a, a maintenance and reliability move. Uh, I'm not, I, don't, I don't know if like your your skill set, uh, like I, I, you can answer this for me, uh, whether or not it uh, lends itself well to the 450. But as far as going uh, coast to coast and around again uh, in the outdoors, a 450 a little bit more viable than uh, the high strung 250Fs. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh... The decision came about, uh, you know, after Supercross, I got hurt and I missed a bunch of rounds. So I only got to raise four, four rounds. Uh, so, you know, for next year, it wasn't really looking good. For outdoors, I didn't have a ride or anything. So I decided uh, I was going to do 250 class for the outdoors. But then, uh, you know, we put a budget together, me and my family. And then, you know, numbers weren't there. Uh, so and just to be competitive on a on a good 250F, it just takes, you know, way more money and you can't probably buy a motor, uh, to be competitive with the factory. So, uh, I, I spoke with a guy, uh, down in Miami that has a dealership. It's called Rick Case. Uh, he helped me out with the bike. 
And pretty much with that same bike, I rode it. Uh, I, I was still skeptical, uh, not a hundred percent sure if I was going to ride the 450 class, but then, uh, first day I rode it, at, uh, you know, bone stock. I literally picked it up, put handlebars, oversized handlebars, and then I went riding with it. So all bone stock and good place to start. I rode it really well. Uh, I rode it really well. And then we decided to make the, you know, the jump to the 450 class. So then we had two weeks to prepare. Uh, and then we showed up to Thunder Valley for the first round. Absolutely. Now that is an undertaking that many would not uh, attempt. It's uh, um, most of these guys they want to have that bike dialed in for a good month of really pushing that pace uh, prior to going and racing with the top guys in the world. But the reality is that wasn't an option for you. You go out there on the 450, and uh, let's be honest, you guys are all extremely skilled. I'm sure you could jump on my uh, KTM 252 stroke and make it do unspeakable things that I could never imagine it doing. Um, <laughs> But uh, and and I'd be upset with you for making my bike go so fast. But um, <laughs> but the reality is is that uh, kind of at some point um, getting onto a motorcycle and just going racing is about as natural as you can be uh, as a professional. And uh, in in some ways, ignorance is bliss. And the fact that uh, all right, I don't I I know I can't change too many things, or I I my options are kind of limited. Um, so I just have to go out and ride the thing. Is there a little bit of value in the your ability to just go out and ride? Yes, um, you know, all I did to the bike until this point is uh, $600 suspension from Factory Connection, which they do an awesome job. Uh, they helped me out a ton, so I had a relationship from them with the past when I was in amateurs. Uh, okay. So pretty much I have production revalve that, you know, anyone can get. Uh, and then Yoshimura was nice enough to give me an exhaust, and then Hinson Clutch uh, gave me a, a full kit for the for the bike so you know honda they they did an unbelievable job with this new 450 uh like i said it's bone stock only has a clutch and a exhaust and reval suspension other than that you know it's it's a production bike you know anyone can go buy it and ride it so uh and yeah uh pretty much you know i put two and two together i mean i i got my suspension and it was pretty good uh like I said, I just did tweaks with, you know, clickers, zag, just to get me a little more comfortable. But, you know, by any means, I don't have any uh, resources, you know, to, uh, you know, pay for testing or anything like that. So I knew from the beginning that I was just going to ride what I get. Um, and that's pretty much the way it's been. So, um, yeah, pretty much I just run what I got. Uh, if it's good or bad, uh, I try to make it the best possible. But, you know... There's not really many options for me. Fair enough. Well, run what you're prung is, is definitely uh, um, common in racing, but uh, as far as the, the level that you're at, a little bit unheard of. But uh, the reality is this last weekend, uh, uh, ending yourself only three spots behind uh, probably the most technical, technologically advanced CRF 450R that uh, exists on the planet. That's uh, uh, Ken Roxon's uh, 450. Uh, that's a huge testament to the uh, the fit, finish, and performance of the 450 from Honda. The fact that uh, some suspension, uh, like you said, bars, exhaust, and uh, and a clutch. Uh, Ron Hinson hooking it up from from Hinson uh, clutch components over there. Um, that's that's really cool, and honestly, a little bit of a tip of the cap to your own abilities on two wheels, and the fact that uh, I'm sure you do spend a little bit of time in sand, but um, it's no joke what you were able to accomplish this last weekend. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, like I said, Honda has built an unbelievable bike. So credit to them just because, you know, it makes it easier for me to ride it, you know, and not spend a lot of money. But yeah, uh, actually, I don't ride a lot of sand. I mean, I've been riding it since I moved to Florida once a week. But other than that, I ride a hard pack. So, you know, it's not like I rode my whole life in sand or, uh, you know, I'm better than I just gel good with the track. Uh, Southlake last year, I did really well too in the 250 class. Right. I got I got 12, 12 for 11th overall. So, uh, I I like sand. Don't take me wrong, but it's not like I ride it, you know, a lot. You're not a sand monster like those local guys are jumping inside the top 10 in overall qualifying. Um, but uh, that's still pretty impressive. The, my fa- the fact that you're able to uh, um, put down those moto scores, and there's plenty of factory guys behind you that would have loved to uh, knock down those moto scores, including the likes of Cooper Webb and uh, and uh, filthy Phil Nicoletti. Um, what brings you to, uh, I guess we can cl- kind of turn the clocks back a little bit here. You'd mentioned that you'd been here for seven years. And you live in Claremont, Florida. Uh, seven years ago, there wasn't that many guys living, like, like professionals living in Claremont, Florida. How, like, what was your uh, amateur career kind of like um, as far as, like, uh, when, when did you start riding? And when you were 14 years old, a, a pretty green amateur, most likely just getting on to 250Fs. Uh, what was the transition like coming over to the United States of America and then eventually racing the, uh, the American stuff? Yeah, no, uh, for sure it's been a journey. Uh... So back in tw- in 2008, uh, a friend of mine invited me over for the winter amps here in Florida. Okay. So we did did that. So we spent the whole month here. Uh, I was in 65 back then, and you know I, I was still going to school full time. Uh, you know I wasn't really serious. Uh, I didn't actually get serious until like 2012 in dirt bike. So. Uh, we just came as a hobby, you know, I've always followed the American motocross, uh, you know, I never thought I would be a professional rider by any means, especially coming from home, but, so a friend of ours invited us, uh, and then, you know, we came here, and then I, I, my dad liked it a lot, so he, you know, he thought uh, he should bring me more often, and then we heard that Loretta Lynn's was like the biggest national in the U.S., uh, so we were like, oh, let's try to go there, and, you know, my dad pretty much just wanted me to get the mo- most experience I could uh, and just kind of learn from, you know, because those guys from whenever they're in 50s, you know, they fly. So they're really fast. And then, like I said, I struggle a lot. Uh, but, yeah, so from the 08, uh, I, you know, I started coming here like weeks by the time just kind of for like spe- specifically races uh kind of like Loretta's uh Minios so actually in 2009 I qualified for Loretta's my first time and I uh no sorry 2008 right uh the same year I jumped into the 85s cuz I was too tall too big for the 65 and I qualified for Loretta's and I got 39 and 41st in uh 85 9 to 11 modern stock <laughs> You're 11 so, years old on an 85? Yes yes I was I oh, was you're a monster. Tall kid. <laughs> 
I was yeah, just doing, yeah. doing some quick math there. If you're 21 in, two, in 2018, you're 11 in, in 2008. Uh, um, I, I think it's ridiculous that I was – I think that was my fourth year on big bikes, Lorenzo. Uh, I'm old. Um, but uh, yeah, like it's uh, – that, that's, that's cool to see that you were able to make the transition from being a bit of a uh, taller 11-year-old to, uh, to go mix it up with the 85 class being – I guess you would have been at the younger age of the, uh, of the 85 division. Yeah, yeah. So that happened then, and then right after that, uh, you know, we heard of uh, Millsaps Training Facility MTF, okay, and yeah. uh, I had a friend there. I mean, I didn't have a friend, but I met Camilo Gomez by the time he was riding there, and so we linked up. He took me there. I went for like a few camps, uh, you know, week week camps, and then uh, right before every national, would come, you know, a week before the national and train there, and then. So that went on till 2011, and then finally September 2011th, I finished seventh uh, grade, and my dad was, you know, at the time he put me to choose. He was like, "Hey, do you want to go full time, you know, and train MTF and see where you can go, or do you want to, you know, stay here and just keep, you know, going?" And you know, at the time, I I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do, but I still said, you know, let's go for experience, you know, maybe like a year or two, uh, see where I can go. And then, you know, I stayed, I stayed there for six years, uh, and then no, seven years. Sorry. So last wow. year, uh, yeah. So last year before, uh, the last three nationals, uh, you know, left and moved to Claremont, Florida. So now there I'm here. <laughs> and so four years ago at Loretta's, you're knocking down 450 B limited titles. And, uh, Honestly, like rather modest uh, results as you first came over, and then a pretty uh, uh, a steady rise to uh, to being a, a top five threat every time that you came to the ranch. Uh, Schoolboy in 2013, you get a fifth. You're winning by 2014 in the 450 class, which I think is funny because you probably would have been on a 125 in Schoolboy and then a 450 the year <laughs> later. Uh, and then uh, yeah, 450A in 15 and 16, as well as 250A and Open Sport in 2016 aboard Yamaha's those years and um, yeah you did very well actually and um, kind of like a, a maybe a kid that we didn't hear too much about obviously um, in those years the the your like the 250B guys were kind of the, uh, the the Austin Forkners of the world and stuff like that get a little bit more exposure than the other uh, top end uh, prospects and stuff like that. That and the fact that I don't think that amateur motocross is covered as well as it might have been 10 years ago. But uh, nevertheless, um, some pretty decent results. I'm surprised that you weren't looked at for uh, a more solid ride. Yeah, uh, you know, I never was in the spotlight. Uh, like I said, uh, after 2011, after that fifth in Schoolboy One, you know, I really, uh, no, not 2011, sorry, 2013. Uh, I really saw the potential, you know, that I had because I put him the last moto of the of the week, and I was yep. like, man, like this really feels good. I can really, you know, I want to be serious. You know, I want to, I want to try to win this thing. Uh, and you know, the whole 2013. So I was in school with one 2013, and since I was so big, I had to jump off to the 450 and 250 class. Yeah. Uh, so so then you know after that I got I got. I put my head down, uh, you know, start working really hard. And actually, you know, I felt the best I have ever on a dirt bike. And I, the Monday before practice, uh, 
So a week before Monday of practice at the range, I actually went down and broke my scapula. So I had to race Loretta's with a broken scapula. Uh, You know, at the time, I didn't go to a doctor or anything. You know, I tried to toughen it up uh, because I didn't want to disappoint my parents or anything that, you know, all the hard work I did, you know, throw it away in a a week time. Uh, So I showed up, you know, I I didn't ride the whole week. I didn't know if I was going to be able to ride or anything. And then I hopped on the practice and I felt, you know, decent. And then, you know, that's crazy that the week turned out, you know, that I got uh, first in the 450B stock and then second in the 250B mod. Yeah, like 250B behind uh, Tristan Charbonneau, who at that time was slated to race with uh, the the Geico team. I think he was on a full Geico ride at the time. Uh, say you, you end up ahead of uh, Mitchell Harrison, who the, the very next year is on Star Racing, Chase Bell, Ricky White, Bradley Taft. The list goes on. And doing Blake Green, what happened to that guy? Uh, but... Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, like this, this was an impressive uh, showing for you. And uh, at the time, like um, Millsap's training facility for a number of years has been kind of like the, I would say maybe like the gold standard or uh, it's the, the, the motocross factory if, that first comes to mind when it comes to, uh, to where kids go and train. What was your experience like there when you were training? Who were some of the guys that you were kind of like timing yourself with most closely? Um, and, 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 and why then eventually why leave? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, without MTF, I don't think I, I would be where I am today. So I'm really thankful for them. And, you know, I consider, I tell Colleen all the time whenever I talk to her that I consider her my American mother. Uh, you know, I spent all those years with her, you know, by, you know, with her by my side, you know, pushing me, uh, making me tougher and just, you know, all the days and everything, little Brian, uh, you know, the gym trainers, just everybody, you know, I consider them, they're family to me. So, you know, they, they were great to me, you know, and like I said, I, without them, I wouldn't be where I am today. So I'm very thankful for them. And, you know, the decision to leave, uh, it actually, it's, it's kind of weird, you know, uh, at home right now, uh, Venezuela, it's not going through a, like a really good, uh, uh, you know, the money over there, you know, and everything the going on with the government. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. The situation is not great right now. So, uh, you know, MTF is, you know, expensive. So my parents were moving down to Claremont, uh, you know, and I had the option to stay there, but, you know, but, you know, since I knew it was going to be a struggle just to stay there were, and like, you know, with all the support and everything that I needed just to do it right. Uh, so I decided just to, you know, my parents have sacrificed everything for me. So I felt like I needed to sacrifice, you know, being there to be with here with them, you know, in the tough times, uh, you know, at the time I didn't have a ride, uh, you know, things weren't looking good. I didn't even know if I was going to race this year, Supercross or anything. So, you know, at the time that was the best, you know, choice that I could have made for my family and I. And that, that's the pretty much the only reason I, I had to leave there. Fair enough. And so being in Claremont, like, do you just uh, um, put your bike in the back of the truck and just wait at the exit of uh, whether it be Marvin Muskan, uh, um, Zach Osborne, or Adam Cianciarillo's driveway and just follow them to the track? Like, how does that work? <laughs> 
funny stories. I actually have never really crossed them. Uh, really? You know, I think they might be hiding from you then, because I think those guys seem, seem to bump into each other a lot. Yeah, so uh, they ride, like, a lot of them ride together. So, you know, that's why they're always together. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, you know, they, they have a, you know, private facility and, you know, every, all like that. So, but, yeah, actually, I have never bumped into, you know, anybody, uh, any professional. I actually bumped into Jason Anderson at a breakfast place uh, a Sunday after, uh, I think it was a Supercross or, yeah, so... It was, that's the only person I really crossed, and you know, I he was I just seen him walk into his truck or something, so I, it wasn't like I really got to talk to him or anything. Well, fair enough. So, what what's your riding situation like down there? Where do you do most of your training? Uh, do you have uh, like a physical trainer that helps you with uh, stuff in the gym and cardio, this, that, and the other thing, and diet? Um, what's your situation like that, or is it this t- totally the, Lec- the Lorenzo Lucrucio show? Uh, yeah, a little bit of both. Uh, so, you know, like I said, I spend a lot of time at no such training facility. So, uh, I learned a lot from there. Uh, for Supercross, I was lucky enough to link up with RJ Hamshark. Okay. He yeah, built a place guy. out there and, uh, you know, he let me come out and we, we rode together and stuff like that. And then for outdoors now, there's a lot of, you know, plenty of options. Uh, I got to meet a lot of people here that have, you know, private tracks and stuff like that. So, and I still ride with RJ, so it's it's great, you know, because at the same time, we push each other, and, you know, he's fast. So uh, I got to, you know, really learn a lot of stuff from him also. Yep. Uh, but, yeah, pretty much gym, uh, uh, nutrition, everything like that, I, it's, it's on me. You know, I had to do a lot of growing up after I left MTF. Uh, you know, I was so used to, you know, people telling me what to do on, on the track and everything. I, I ne- never really had to worry about that kind of stuff so it was actually like a big hit you know i did like i said i grew up a lot after i I left there just on uh you know having to look for stuff for like my sponsorships and stuff like that and you know putting a program together for myself that worked for myself and you know that took a lot so for supercars i actually felt great uh you know i got a late call from buddy brooks uh tyler honda and, you know, he gave me a, a ride for Supercross, which I'm very thankful for him. And, you know, I, I was, I didn't get a lot of time. Uh, you know, I only got to ride the Honda for a month before the Supercross started. And so, you know, like I said, I, I did a lot of growing up. I learned a lot. Uh, I learned my own body, what it works, what it doesn't work. So it's been a big roller coaster, but, you know, it's all on me. And then I'm also lucky enough to have my mom with me which helps me a lot with the nutrition part and all that fair enough mom's cooking always good for the soul and the body uh and honestly it's cool that you get to be your own guinea pig a little bit i'm sure there's more than a few athletes out there that have a trainer that i'm sure has the best of intentions um as far as giving them a great diet but uh we're all different and uh, and maybe the whatever's being prescribed to that particular rider isn't that perfect formula to get the most out of that athlete and you yourself get to kind of um like say if you're eating a little bit like uh, too much beef or too much dairy, you're gonna be like, yeah, I think that's I think that's screwing with my system. I need to cut that stuff out. So uh, you're you're really in control of your own destiny as far as that goes, and that's kind of a cool uh, situation to be in uh, as a guy who's uh, learning as you go along. And with this uh, 
with these good results that you're getting, uh, maybe you take this newfound uh, maturity and education in your own body uh, and, and running a program to eventually, uh, if you're able to get a, a really top-notch uh, riding opportunity again, I think you'd be probably even that much more for- fortunate because of it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, uh, like I said, I've done a lot of growing up and a lot of learning, uh, but I've been also lucky enough, you know, to have my, my family by my side, you know, uh, pretty much this outdoor deal I'm racing, you know, because they, they believe in me and they convince me, you know, to go out and race on my own. Cause, uh, you know, I was planning just to go out and try to find people to train and make some money and, you know, try again, Supercross next year. But, uh, but yeah, they, you know, my, my dad, he, I owed a lot of this results to him because he's the one at the track with me, you know, day in, day out pushing me, you know, we sit down and uh, we come up with like a plan. Uh, like I said, also RJ, we ride together. So I learned from him. Uh, but yeah, uh, a lot of, a lot of it, it's on me. So, uh, don't take me wrong. Sometimes I question myself, like, am I doing this right? Am I doing enough? Am I doing too little? It's sometimes it's nice to have a trainer or somebody that knows that has been there just to kind of, you know, so you can put your trust in it. But, you know, like I said, I run what I get and I'm very thankful to be in the position I am right now. So, uh, you know, things happen for a reason. And I think I truly believe, you know, things are happening for the better. Uh, so whenever I do get the opportunity, you know, to be on a bike or, you know, whatever, uh, you know, I can take full advantage of it. Well, fair enough. And, uh, and, and with that, I actually kind of wanted to ask you a little bit about the practicing situation. Um, like, uh, racing is so much different than stick and ball sports. There's drills that, and then there's organized practices that, uh, these athletes are put through by a coaching staff. But, uh, you yourself, you have to be, uh, basically, um, diligent and disciplined enough to like maybe break up a track into sections and work on certain things or do your motos and this, that, and the other thing. Um, how 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 much of your time is spent uh, putting in motos and just going out and riding, putting time on the bike, racing the the clock a little bit, um, maybe being a bit of a pace bunny for uh, for RJ? And how much of it is uh, all right? I suck at this one particular corner. I'm gonna work on my technique to be like these flat corners are 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 giving me a problem, or uh, I need to stay lower over jumps or something like that. Like, like are, do, are there drills that you do to actually kind of hone your craft? Because uh, obviously, uh, like, the the fitness is there, the speed is there, but there's always room for improvement. Yeah, no, that's, uh, you just hit the, you know, the nail. Uh, there's always room for improvement, you know, especially for me. Uh, you know, I, this is only my second year as a professional, so I still got a long, long way to go before I can be where I want to be. So, uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, the same, uh, it's just different, you know, in Supercross, uh, I just started doing motos just to kind of get in shape. I uh, pretty much race into shape. And then now in outdoors, uh, you know, I try to do a lot of motos just to kind of be in shape. And, uh, I try to just beat the clock every lap. Uh, I treat every lap as a sprint and, if I find a, a corner that I'm really bad at, uh, you know, me and my dad go over it and, you know, try to find a solution. But usually my dad, if he sees me struggling in something, he just, you know, lets me know, like, you know, get your feet up or, you know, elbows or, you know, little things that I correct while I'm doing the motos. Uh, but, yeah, you know, it's it's a little bit of everything. Uh, some 
you know, some days I, I'm tired, so we do sections. Uh, most of the time we do motos, so it just depends. So it just, like I said, we're just doing it on our own and learning as we go. Fair enough, my friend. Well, hopefully you're able to uh, leap out ahead of a guy like RJ with a couple extra horsepower, thanks to the people over at... Uh, who, who's doing your exhaust again? FMF? Uh, no, Yoshimura. Yoshimura, giving you some extra... Oh, yeah, same, same, as, uh, same as RJ. You probably got a little hook up there. Um uh, or maybe not. Maybe that's on your own court. But uh, um, but yeah. So like you're you're doing a ton of practicing. You're 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 putting in the motos. Um, it seems to me that uh, you're on an upward trend as far as the season goes. You've knocked down some top ten finishes uh, in both motos and now in overall. What's the overall goal throughout the rest of the season? And, and will we see you at every single national? Well, you know, I started. <laughs> excuse me. I started at Thunder Valley, and you know, I had a pretty good day going i actually surprised myself with the speed i brought into the racing you know i'm a i'm a better racer than qualifying guy you know i'm not usually a guy that throws down a lap so i i know that so i believe in that in myself also so i got you know 10th and 14th even with a crash in the second moto and you know high point it wasn't really good i twisted my knee and you know i pretty much just got through the day and then you know uh Muddy Creek, I felt awesome on the race. You know, we made a little changes on the bike, uh, meaning like clickers. And, you know, that really helped me. Uh, I was really struggling. And then, you know, I really got yelling with the bike during the motos. And I was 11th in the first moto, and I had a mechanical halfway. And then in the second moto, we fixed it. And then I was 12th with two laps to go. And I had, you know, unfortunately, another mechanical. So two DNFs that, you know, potentially could have been another good showing and then you know so i was really not disappointed but hungry just to show people what i can actually do on a dirt bike uh you know i haven't really got that chance that year and a half that i i've raced so far in the professional ranks so people you know if you're not up there they write you off so uh that's my own motivation right now uh you know seventh seventh i actually surprised myself uh you know, it's not like I don't I don't believe I can be up there, but you know, just so quick in such a brutal track with like hot weather and you know, it was it was tough, but you know, I felt great during the motos. Uh, you know, I was yelling with the track. I had a little problem in the first practice, so I didn't get the best time. But, you know, I didn't get the greatest start in the first moto either. I was like, you know, seventeen, eighteen I came around the first moto. So I'll have to make a lot of passes. So whenever I saw the pit board, it said seventh. I was like, no way. So that was pretty cool. You know, uh, as I was there, you know, I had Cooper right behind me. Uh, so I knew he was going to be strong till the end. Uh, so I had to really, you know, get going to not lose that spot. So it's been, like I said, it's been good. Uh, it's been a lot of learning also in the 450 class. Those guys are, are fast. So, uh, it's it's taking a lot of hard work for sure. 
Absolutely. And you're no uh, stranger to hard work. You don't shy away from it. And I can only imagine uh, your thoughts when you're leading uh, a guy like Cooper Webb around the track, uh, the guy who is winning the outdoor championship the same year that you were wrapping up your amateur uh, title or your amateur career. So uh, that, that's pretty incredible to think that uh, in two years time, you're, uh, you're, you're matching that type of speed. You've got this, you've got good starts. And that's one thing I want to st- finish off the podcast with is your ability to start on a motorcycle um, something that uh, maybe the, uh, a little bit of a lost art uh, nowadays with the, the start devices, but you seem to be very consistent in putting your bike where it needs to be up front. What is your secret as far as that goes, or do you not want to tell us? Actually, I don't have a secret. I'm, I actually struggle in starts a lot. Uh, you know, this whole year in the 450 class, I've gotten bad starts. The uh, So, you know, I'm not really a, bad, a good starter, so... <laughs> That's funny uh, you mentioned that. So I, the second boat, that was the best start I ever got in, in my professional career, and I was 11th. So That's a good start for the 450 know, class on a stock bike, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, for sure. So that's what I'm saying. That was like a whole shock to me. Uh, I, I mean, I've been working on it, you know, but it's more mental than anything for me. Uh, you know, I don't know what it is, but like I said, it's mental. So I kind of just been telling myself that I – starts being hurting me and my results and if i want to get you know because my whole goal for this outdoor season is just you know to people to notice me so hopefully i can get you know on a ride next year and have a full you know outdoor and supercross deal for next year in the 250 class so that's my whole goal so you know by starting bad and finishing in 18 17 it's not really going to do it so uh this week you know i actually worked more on myself than you know, riding or anything for Southwick, and uh, you know, I'm glad it paid off. Uh, so I, I was really happy with myself. Absolutely. So I, th- I think you're going to have to start wearing the the most brightest, most ridiculous colors. Liat can put you as far as gear goes. That way, you can turn the heads and uh, continue with those finishes, my friend. Uh, Lorenzo Lacrucio, I know you've got a ton of great sponsors. You, they, they, it's a list that grows all the time. But you're also a great. You're a supporter of your own uh, effort. Um, of of course, you can toot your own horn here if you'd like to. But I know you've got some sponsors to thank as well. Yeah, for sure. Uh, like I said, uh, I, it's mostly on my own, but I do have great sponsors helping me. Uh, just like Leah, like you mentioned, they, they've been nothing but great to me. Steph, Jared, you know, they've been, like I said, they've been great to me. They've been supportive. Uh, Shoei Helmets, uh, you know, X-Brand for the goggles, you know, Clear Vision all the time. That's I'm really happy with those guys. Uh, our Pine Stars, you know, they've been helping me with knee braces, you know, boots and all, every, anything I need. So they've been great to me. Like I said, Yoshimura, Factory Connection, ODI, just, you know, Henson, uh, you know, and everyone else that, you know, helps out. It's, it means a lot. You know, Motor Shop Center uh, helps me out with a bike, uh, you know, uh, Rick Case, Honda, and just the whole Thai Loop Honda team, you know, they've been helping me out lately with taking a bike and just preparing the bike and, you know, giving me as much support as they can, even though they're just a, uh, uh, Supercross team, so I'm I'm really thankful for everyone, and especially my family, you know, for pushing me to be the better, I, the best one I can be. Awesome, my friend. Well, you're very well spoken, and I'm really ha- pleased that we were able to have you on this evening. Thank you so much for making time for us tonight, there, Lucrucio, uh, Lorenzo, Lucrucio. Um, don't hang up just yet, but for podcast sake, we're cut it off right there. Thank you. <laughs>